We're going to skip a few little things there. Just for the sake of time, I want to give Michael some space to come and share. Happy Father's Day to so many of you uh, in this room. If you haven't received your gift yet, make sure you do so. If there's some leftovers, we're opening it up to all the males to come and grab a dad's root beer and some cookies. Uh, not, nothing too grand, but a little a gesture of our appreciation to all the dads in this room. Michael is not only a physical father, but he's a spiritual father to many. And I thought this would be a, a beautiful space for you to come and minister for today, for this day, and what it means to so many of us. And uh, I honor you for the investment. As I said last time, we did an interview-style service together. Uh, the investments you made into my life, it's been incredible. Uh, short, but so sweet and so, so meaningful. And thank you for that. Thank you for being who you are to, to our country and now moving from Ontario all the way to Alberta, setting up shop and continuing in the ministry. I'll let you share a little bit of, of what you guys do as a, as a family. And uh, I'm going to hand it off to you. One more time for Michael Pierce. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> It's, uh, it's a delight to be here. Well, I can hear, hear myself now. For those of you that are gathered online, welcome, and may you feel the presence of God, the, f the sense of family. May we literally be connected by the Spirit. You know, many times we think that spirit life uh, is only when we're connected in a physical body, in a physical place, but I want you to hopefully feel connected to what is going on. Do I need to move this away from my... Okay. You know, we're at a time in history where celebrating others has become passe. And I looked up the word passe and, and it means no longer fashionable or out of date. Uh, when canceling the celebration of others because of their imperfections, their flaws, their sins, their choices, or differences of perspective from our own, writes them off as undesirable. However, we, the body of Christ, we gather together to celebrate, to honor, and to give thanks. And I just, I just feel that it would be perfect on Father's Day that we would just rise and we would just give thanks to Father God. Just, just go ahead. That was my cue. Yeah. Father, this is a standing ovation for you. You are a good, good father. There is no one like you. Thank you for being our father this morning. Amen. And now all of the fathers in the room, we honor you. We celebrate you. When you haven't been perfect, you have still loved. And we bless you today. And fathers at home, we honor you. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, most of us uh, have, or perhaps at some time have, uh, wrestled with the dichotomies of being family. How many here uh, are a part of a family? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. The lights are really bright. I couldn't... How many here... Okay, so how many here have uh, a father or a mother? Okay, how many won't raise your hand no matter what I ask? Thank you, there's always one. You know, it's great that you brought the lights down because now I can actually see people a little. Thank you. The, the dichotomy that we face uh, is that there are two things that are, that are or are represented to be different. And many times it's those things that are represented to be different that we struggle with the most and we don't know how we navigate those times. For instance, some of us, our family life was less than perfect. Okay, all of us, our, our life was less than perfect, right? But, but sometimes we get caught, especially at a day like Father's Day, um, where we wonder how do we navigate the dichotomy uh, that God is, is perfect toward me, and yet my life around me has not been that perfect. I want to suggest to us today that, that many times identity is confused. We try to navigate how how God is this loving Father and how we are walking through the, the muddy and murky times of our lives. Could I suggest to you that, that uh, this is not a new scenario? This is not a, a 2021 situation. This is something that has been going on for actually thousands of years the, the enemy of our life has played and replayed this game plan uh, for thousands of years. He has tweaked his attack from generation to generation, but his game plan has never changed. He has never released uh, chaos, or he has always released chaos into the midst of our families. And that is where we get stuck. And this morning, uh, it's my joy to talk to you about Father and about us as his children, and about the redemptive purpose of becoming a wholesome and whole fa- healed family. I believe very clearly that, that the enemy's chaotic at, uh, attack against us uh, needs to be broken. The, the life that we are called to live needs to be made clear and needs to be released in us in the midst of everything that goes on around us. We used to have this beautiful picture. Um, Really what it was, was it was a picture, a a canvas that was just covered with splatters of paint. And it seemed very uh, random and very uh, unordered. And uh, I chose to like the very best part of that painting was one very small dot, very close to the center. And I said that that is God's order in the midst of chaos around me. And I believe that, that in fact, as family, we are stepping into a time where the chaos around is not going to dictate how our lives are ordered. 
but that in fact we come into this uh, breaking of confusion of who we are, breaking of, of uh, the, the mantra around us, and we start to walk in the mantra or the call of God as a family, that, that as, as children, we, we no longer have to, to struggle with, do I fit? Am I enough? And I'm going to touch on that this morning as we go through this. Uh, Pastor Tim mentioned uh, the last time I was on the platform, I was privileged to share, um, really introduce myself and Anne to you, our ministry, Christ for Your City, and my primary passion that we would walk as sons and daughters in the kingdom and contrasting being hired servants, uh, trying to always do enough to be accepted. I shared with you uh, on that March Sunday morning that my mother had become pregnant before she was married. Uh, and in the midst of that, uh, I was adopted. My time in the womb was a time of turmoil. Uh, she had suicidal thoughts because of the turmoil both at home and in church. She was asked to leave her church because the shame that she brought being pregnant before being married. I was adopted into a loving family, a loving, dysfunctional family. My dad was a spirit-filled United Church pastor. My mom was a faithful woman of God who was also diagnosed bipolar. She had mental health challenges. She was diagnosed at a time when the stigma and the shame that accompanied such a diagnosis usually included institutionalized treatment. There are so many other <laughs> details that swirl around my childhood but we won't take time to touch them all today. Codependence ran our house. And uh, uh, suffice it to say, my prophetic, or black and white, some call it stubborn, who laughed? Thank you, Tynan. Uh, nature added more complications and layers of complications to an already very interesting life. Because of my personal identity crisis, not knowing who I really was, not knowing why I was given away at birth, why I was, why I was abandoned or rejected, left me constantly trying to prove I was enough. It left me trying to figure out uh, how to always convince you that I was right. And it was my obsession. I guess I was OCD. Only on one thing. Okay. Never on more than one thing. Um, but I was OCD on proving I was right. Can I ask uh, how many of you have ever felt that if you could just be right once, just once, you would feel validated. You would feel good enough. You would feel that you would fit. Probably nobody in the room has ever gone through that. 
my, uh, my being right was the, the spark many, many days, almost every day, of a blow up in our house that left my dad pleading with me to please leave it alone. Do you have those it's in your family? The thing that you shouldn't touch, that you just keep poking at? Does anybody? Okay. Um, and I was bound and determined that because I was right, I had to poke it. And, and can I suggest to you that you can be right, but be dead right? And in that, in that being dead right, you actually miss the point of the righteousness of being right. Because you're trying to prove and validate and bolster yourself up so that you can have a place to belong. And it is in our choice of how we prove we belong that is, is, exposes the fact that the very root is where we have to look to. I have two siblings, both are adopted. One is three years younger and one is 10 years younger. Uh, the trauma that each experienced in our journey to adoption uh, and, and dealing with the generational issues of life could be viewed as tragic by some. You know, if you look in and you see it, you, you might think, wow, that doesn't seem fair. In a, in a time of, of life where we, where we demand justice, it would seem that justice was anything but a part of our life. However, you know, I, when I used to go to Germany, I loved whenever I would say however, because in German, they would say Abba. And, and it's like, yes, Abba steps in. You see, uh, my response to such a colorful life is to say, thank you, Lord. Because it has made me who I am today. It isn't without warts and warbles. However, I look at it and I realize that in fact, my mom could have chosen abortion. And she didn't. And so I have life because of that. And in the midst of it, I had all kinds of experiences that didn't seem fair or right. But God brought me to a place uh, to understand his love. You know, sometimes we look at our experiences and we think, where is God? But I want to suggest to you that he has never, never left you. He is always with you. So now to balance the normalcy of my life, I want to just give you a little history for Anne's life. You know, she grew up as the eldest daughter of a PAOC pastor. Uh, literally, her, her dad physically built the church with his own hands, used his own money to build that church. He uh, owned a shore, he drove bus part-time, and he pastored part-time, endeavoring to serve God with their whole heart, soul, and being. In the midst of this normalcy, Anne was twice molested 
by trusted leaders within the small church community. Unable to share such a story with her parents, she held her secret and walked alone under a cloud of shame and false guilt for many, many years. These family dynamics impact and develop who we become. They, ex they expand our worldview of experience and we end up using that worldview to look at Father God. We share these vulnerable parts of our lives just to explain to you we're ordinary. We know what it's like to, to have dysfunction in family, to, to have pain in family. Just because I've had the privilege to travel to and minister in 30 nations on 175 uh, mission trips doesn't mean that we haven't had our family stuff. And what I've recognized is that uh, there are two important things, and, and I just thought they were, they were important enough that I've asked Andre to have them ready. Um, Ann and I have two pictures that we cherish. The first one says this, remember, as far as anyone knows, we are a nice, normal family. Man, that even looks like my house, sort of. And the second one hangs above our fireplace mantle, and it says this, family is everything. I want you to know that no matter where you are on your journey with your family, with the, the family of God, and with God being your father, it is everything. And his desire for you this day is that we will navigate together the process and journey of healing so that we can come into this place of wholeness and as uh, light and salt for the world around us. You know, the Bible is not silent about family dysfunction. You've got Cain and Abel, all right? You've got David and Bathsheba, You've got Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. You've got Ishmael and Isaac. And you've got two boys, two sons that uh, Luke talks about. In March, I touched on the, the, the front part of that, that story of, of the, the prodigal son. And, and I don't want to share or take too much time about it this morning, except to say uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. The father had two boys. And, and uh, both boys didn't know who they were. Now, as a Jewish family, that's interesting because they both would have gone rites of, through rites of passage. They both would have come to a place to understand that God was loving them and God was giving them a future and a hope. This morning, uh, I, I want to just highlight the, the, the thought that, that um, the, the younger son... You know, the scoundrel, I called him, uh, when he took all of his father's money and he, he went off and blew it. I think I told you in March, where did, where did he go? At Kananaskis. Okay, that just tells you, see, they don't listen. <laughs> he went off to Kananaskis. He blew his money and, 
And when he was there and he was dying of hunger, he said, my father's hired servants have more than enough to eat. And here I am starving to death. Now, some of us have had this mindset that, that there are others that touch my family that have a whole lot better life than I do. And so the young man said that as he was trying to feed the pigs and was eating the, the very slop that he gave them, he said, I will go home. I will, I, will, I will go and I will tell my father I was wrong. And so that's what he did. And, and the Bible tells us an interesting thing. You see, many of us have experienced dad as the corrector and sort of the law of our life. And I can imagine this young man walking home and, and just wondering, how do I navigate this conversation? Um, how, do I, how do I deal with this? And the father completely preempts all of his worry. Can I suggest to you that today that if we would dare to package up all of our worry, all of our fret about how God will receive us and we would give it to him as a gift today, the gift that we would receive back will blow your mind. And so he's coming home and the Bible tells us that while he was still a long ways away, I can almost imagine dad was sitting on the front porch of his house on a rocking chair, waiting, just watching and waiting for the very hint of the son to be returning home. And it says he, he saw him while he was yet a way off and he was dressed as a beggar. Dirty and filthy, having been with the pigs. And the father jumps up and runs out to meet him. And I love how it says it in, uh, in uh, this, uh, uh, in verse, I think it's 18. Uh, no, uh, where is it? Uh, verse 20. From a long distance away, the father saw him coming. The father raced out to meet him, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with tender love. So in the midst of that interaction, the son is still thinking, I have to make things right. I have to prove that I'm going to be okay. And so he says, Dad, I, I've sinned and I've, I've, I've fallen short. I've, I've, I've totally ruined it. I sinned against you and I sinned against God. I'm no longer worthy to be your, and at that very moment, the father interrupts, and he says, welcome home, son. Now, the, the son was of the opinion that, that he didn't deserve to be a son anymore, and so he would work hard. And I don't know, um, you know, I, I, how many here... Um, I, I really just want to see how many here have felt that you had to work hard to earn God's love? You know? This, this 
is the chaos of our identity that I was talking about. You see, the Father never, never required our doing something for his love to be pure and, and, and powerful for us, but just to receive it. And so the Father immediately showers him with all of these things, and he starts to bring these things about in his life. And as he does it, a party begins. We covered the whole thing. Perfect. You see, I believe Holy Spirit wants to do something. Cody, I want to thank you for the way you stopped. It actually released me to not worry about hitting every part that I had to hit. And so now the elder brother comes home. He's been working. He's been faithful. He's toiled and slaved, the Passion Translation says, obediently to his dad. And he's wondering what the heck is going on. Oh, I, what's going on? <laughs> Am I okay? Because, because why is there this party going on? And the hired servant says, well, your son, your brother... Your little brother has come home. And the Bible tells us in Luke 15, the latter part of the chapter, that the older brother became angry. And so we have two pictures of two boys. Both don't know who they are and how they belong to their father how they deserve to live in this house. And they are actually living in this drama triangle. Now, Anne is the life coach of our family, but, but she talks about the drama triangle all the time. And, and all I can say is talk to her about that later. I'm the storyteller. She's the one that'll coach you out of the drama. Uh, the father is now caught in this triangle between two boys. How do I navigate this? My offspring, my joy, neither one of them know who they are in me. One thinks he, he can never do enough to get back into my grace. The other thinks he's done everything and now he doesn't fit either because I have accepted his brother. And here we are on Father's Day and many fathers are thinking, how do I parent my family? And you might even think, God, you didn't prepare me. You didn't give me the, you didn't give me the, the lowdown on how this was going to go. And you wonder if you're enough to be a dad. This morning, I, I want to suggest to you, I want to plead with you, even as the father pleaded with the older brother. He said, please 
come in with me and your brother. You see, when we think of the younger brother, we think, oh yeah, he went off and he, he, he screwed up really bad. But when the father said, my son who was dead, what he means is, my son didn't realize he was my son anymore. But now he is resurrected to this place of sonship. For the, for the ladies in the house, to the fullness of being the daughter of dad. You know, uh, the other night I, was, I had an incredible call with a friend on Vancouver Island. And I hadn't talked to him in a number of years. And we just started to share. And all of a sudden we got into this sweet spot. It was sort of like everything that we planned to talk about went on hold. Just like when you did that, Cody, this morning. And he started to talk about this revelation that he had had. And, and as he shared, and I let him share for 15 minutes, which I was pretty proud. Okay? I didn't talk for 15 minutes. That, thank you. <laughs> Heaven has marked it down. And, and as we were talking, you see, he had had a revelation, the very same revelation that I had had, except his area of ministry is to government and, and to education. And so he lost me through all of the details. And, and so when he was done, I said, you know, Bruce, I, I've had the same revelation. And it's this, it is the, the incredible transformation that the caterpillar goes through. Uh, you see, the caterpillar actually can grow wings. The caterpillar is created with DNA to grow wings. But that DNA within the caterpillar is not turned on until it dares to step out of its present identity into the identity that the Father had for him or her from before the foundation of the earth. This entire process of, of transformation, I think as the church, we many times, we want it to be the miracle moment, boom where everything changes in a heartbeat. And I, I somewhat agree with the idea that God is just waiting for that moment in our lives. But I've come to the realization for that moment to actually start, Michael needs to take the step. Just like the younger brother, I need to step home. So, so I'm going way off notes now, but I suggest to you this morning that many of you uh, are tired. You're weary trying to do enough, trying to do the mental calisthenics that would say, God, I'm, I love you. I, I, I'm going I'm to get up at five o'clock and pray, you know, for an hour, and then I'll fast breakfast. And then third day in, you sleep in and you feel completely like trash again. 
I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to live a disciplined life. But I want you to understand that as your father, his love has never, ever turned against you. Yes, there are times of discipline and correction. And we think that he's angry, but in fact, it is greater love in those moments than you could have ever imagined. This morning, I think the Father is saying, I want to cancel the drama triangle of your life. I want to cancel it. So I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. You see, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says something very, very profound. It says this, And we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into His image from one degree of glory to even more glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God is progressively transforming us. So I want you this morning to, first of all, I want you just to lift your hands and just say, Father, thank you that you are changing me. that I am not the person I was a year ago. I have moved from glory to glory in you. You know, when we start with thanksgiving, everything else becomes easier. And I want to suggest to you now this morning that the caterpillar to, to step into the fullness of destiny must leave everything that is known to embrace that which is yet to be known. And we many times hold on to our identity with fierceness because it's all we know. I want to suggest that when I said, okay, God, what I have known isn't enough and there's more, I realized I would have to, to let go of everything that I knew of ministry. At that point, it was 25 years of full-time ministry. I let it go. The methodology, the reason for doing it, the reason for, for being OCD or, or perfectionist, was to try and prove that I was enough. But when I found out that I was a son in my father's house, and he was not keeping score of all of the good things or all of the bad things, but he was there to love me with an everlasting love and to be faithful to bring me into the fullness of all that he had actually back at the very moment of creation. I said, yes, Father. And so your Father's Day gift to you 
actually, Pastor Tim called it, Mike, just write a teaser. And I thought, wow, a teaser. Um, your gift today would be, will you step over this threshold from being a caterpillar that has the DNA capacity to become a butterfly? But will you actually step over that threshold into the cocoon? It's a very interesting thing. The cocoon is the safest place for the caterpillar to die. And the cocoon is this place where everything that the caterpillar has known is literally, scientifically liquefied. And where the very DNA that has lied dormant within the caterpillar is turned on. I believe God wants to turn DNA on in you that has never been known by you to this point. And to you, Shelley. Actually, brother, when, I, when we were worshiping, I just watched you worship. And I thought, the Lord wants to turn DNA on you in today that is going to explode the revelation of who he is when you worship. But we will let go of the identity of the caterpillar. And we will go into this place of a cocoon. And on Friday night after my friend's call, I ended up being with... Uh, Nana Mason, love you. You know, she told me, she said, you know, sometimes we want to take a pair of scissors and cut open the cocoon because we see the butterfly straining to get out. And we think, we want to make it easy. We want to be nice. She said, but if we cut the cocoon open, we will actually cause the strength that is needed within the butterfly to be missed. Because it's the strength of pressing through. It's the fight and the tension that you're going through, this dichotomy of life that God is bringing you strength in. He is not being an ogre. He is not being some taskmaster that is saying, you have to do this. He is strengthening you for something you don't even yet know. And so this morning, I ask you now, I, I've, I've been fully disclosing, but how many of you would say, yes, Lord, I will take a step and I will cross over this threshold. I will stop being one who crawls upon the earth on my belly and I will recognize my identity as your son and daughter, that you are my father. And I will enter into the cocoon of the Lord. Into this secret place where he will change my identity. Where he will turn on his spirit upon me and release life in me. If that's you this morning, I want you literally just to take one step from where you are and just step forward. Father, I thank you that on this Father's Day, you deposit this gift within your body. Life. Life. Life forevermore. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you now that you give strength to everyone to push through when the wings are being formed, to push through beyond the, the resistance and the strain that they have known. 
and to push past the identity that they have thought they were caught in. And we say, Holy Spirit, breathe your life upon your sons and daughters. And we give you thanks this morning, Father, for you are a good, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so um, in non-COVID times, I would just say to you, step all the way to the altar because that's maybe where, where you've known the cocoon to be. So if you want to do that, you can do that. And I know that the, the team will be ready to pray with you. To those of you who, like me, came from a dysfunctional family, I want you to know the redemption of the Lord is on your bloodline. And he is bringing forth in you the fullness of his family. Happy Father's Day. God bless you. And have a wonderful day.